You best believe it, audio chokers. You are at MMATorch.com, or perhaps you're listening to us via iTunes. But this is the audio choke. Thank you so much for having us. I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Toby Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. Woo! 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 <laughs> Join what, the party, Tobin. Why are we wooing? <laughs> why not? Because we're excited about I, WEC. I can think of a few reasons why not, but we won't get into that. <laughs> I've we'll got jazz it, hands we'll for WEC. Keep an update. Yeah, no, that was a phenomenal card from what I uh, understand. Oh, you didn't watch it? I, I didn't watch it. Lame. It and, and I know, because like, we were talking before, like the money issues and stuff. And, like, yeah. There's been so many pay-per-views, and I had to pick like one of the... It sounds like it's just a phenomenal card. I read a bunch of the recaps. I uh, heard a lot about it, and it sounds like it was like one of the one of the better cards in recent memory. Just uh, the pacing of the fights, and this all could that. be almost the only WEC that's worth fifty dollars. <laughs> you know, I, I can't really imagine them topping it anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, they definitely threw all their best fighters on this card. I mean, even the undercard fights were uh, pretty spectacular. But they had, they had all of the big names, with the exception of uh, some of the top one thirty five guys. And obviously, there was no Miguel Torres or Brian Bowles or. Uh, the new champion, I think it's Dominic Cruz. Yep. So, I mean, none of those guys, but obviously they fought pretty recently at, at the last WEC event, so that makes sense. But other than that, pretty much anyone with a name worth a whole lot in the WEC was uh, was making an appearance of some sort. Yeah, so you guys both watched it. What did you uh, think? How was the uh, the live on pay-per-view experience? Um, you know, it's like the production elements were identical to anything that the UFC does, uh, yeah. you know, in my opinion of it. And it was just, it was nice as my first uh, UFC, uh, WEC experience. And yeah. so I was just having a really good time just watching all these, uh, the lightweights just smash each other constantly. There was a great fight where, you know, so there would be jumping, they would just catch him in midair and slam him down. Mm, you know, guy yes. broke his uh, his collarbone, according to him, you know. That's what he was saying. He, he, um, he was probably just you know doing it for for effect. Embellishing. Yeah, and he called the other guy a little dude. You know. It was just <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, he, he was he was bigger than his opponent, who he felt could drop down to 125. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Trying to remember the name of the fighters in this one. That was uh, a couple of guys that I wasn't very familiar with, but um, it, it was definitely kind of the the striker versus grappler match. Mm-hmm. And uh, the grappler ended up winning because uh, he, he got those takedowns over and over again. And a lot of them were really big slams. But Was this the Brad Pickett-Demetrius Johnson fight? That's yes. the one, Brad Pickett. Very uh, good. Thank you, Toby. Yes, won by multiple slams. And uh, it was a very highly exciting bout. Yeah. Does it say where the, where, what they weighed over there? Do we know? That, that oh, should okay, be a 135. Pound. Okay, 135. So I... They were talking about if there was a 125 class, then... Uh, uh, the guy who lost that fight would be, in theory, going down there. Yeah, Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, that would have, had it not been for the Korean Zombie and Leonard Garcia, that could have been, that could have been fight of the night. But uh, sounds like the uh, Leonard Garcia fight ended up being another uh, another Barnburner Slavonocker. Oh, so fun! Yeah. Ball, right? There's people that are calling it the Griffin Bonner of the WEC, which um, you know it, it was on Spike. I'd be interested to see what the numbers were. Yeah, but, I haven't seen ratings come in for that yet. Yeah, I mean, that very well could be. The only problem is that the WEC brand wasn't really uh, shown a whole lot due to the fact that they were on Spike TV. I was really kind of confused about this for a long time, but it, Dana White came out and said, you know, WC's on Versus, UFC's on Spike, 
Spike didn't want us to be advertising, you know, on a competitor's network, blah, blah, blah. So that's why it wasn't WEC, you know, and the number it was just advertisers being Faber versus Aldo. Yeah. Which which makes sense once it's explained. But e- either way, um, the, the Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner fight really helped the UFC because it was, you know, on the UFC's channel and the UFC name was everywhere. And this is a very exciting fight. Um and I think it'll probably bring some viewership, certainly anyone who is willing to do any kind of research. Uh, I just think that it might not have as big of a mainstream crossover just because a lot of people, you know, aren't willing to do that research necessarily. Yeah, there wasn't the branding that right. would necessarily be there for, for any other kind of event. Well, well I, I wanted to ask you guys, because, again, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it, but I you know, just kind of reading up on it. Uh, you guys talked about the branding a little bit, but it sounds like they almost made a concerted effort not to mention WEC. Like it wasn't, you know, and I've, I've seen the pay-per-view commercials before, and it was just called, you know, Aldo, Aldo versus Faber. And then it sounds like they didn't talk about the WEC that much during mm-hmm. even during the show. They call it like, you know, the promotion or the organization. Did you guys notice much of that at all? Or? I, honestly, I didn't notice it too much that they were avoiding it, but they just their focus was different. They weren't mm-hmm. like trying to say like. This blank is awesome, and just like avoid the words. They were instead focusing on like these little guys right. are so awesome. They, they spent a lot of time talking about why the the smaller fighters are so entertaining to watch. Uh, but unless you were like waiting, you know, got the got a clicker there to click every time they say WEC. Right. I mean, I didn't really notice that they didn't say it a whole lot until. Uh, you know, that I read that they didn't say it at all. They did right. talk about the fighters uh, yeah. a whole lot, and that's one thing that I noticed. And, yeah, I, Which is nothing yeah. ever in my head clicked, oh, they said WEC. So. Right. Yeah, no, that's it's interesting. But you, you mentioned kind of Dana White, and I think someone brought it up, you know, at the post-fight press conference. Someone kind of asked Dana, and he, it was it had to do with, you know, because the WEC has been so closely associated with versus, and because they had the prelims on Spike, so it would be like this weird thing. But I, I just kind of hope it's one step closer to basically incorporating the UFC or merging the two bodies, I mean. I think it will be. Yeah. Um, I mean, down the line, I think it's one of those things that's kind of bound to happen. Um, because, you know, you, you've got these small guys that are not big enough to, you know, go into the, one of the UFC's weight classes, but guys like Jose Aldo and Uriah Faber and, you know, a, a lot of these guys, they deserve to get real paydays, you know, not just a few thousand dollars to show up on a channel that, not a whole lot of people watch. So I think it would be good to kind of incorporate the the lower weight classes into the UFC. But, I mean, even if they don't, this model seemed like it was probably pretty helpful. I'd be interested to see what the the pay-per-view numbers ended up like. But I could see if they did another show, you know, in six months or so, like do one or two a year. I could see that perhaps having some sort of level of success. Right. And, yeah, it's kind of too soon for us to know, like, what the pay-per-view numbers were, but uh, just uh, MMA payouts got the the live gate attendance, that sort of thing, and it sounds like it was the uh, 14,000, over 14,000 live attendees uh, and over a million dollars just taken in at the arena, which I think is the best numbers they've yeah, done. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely the best numbers they've done, but it, it helps that they had Uriah Faber going for a title yeah. shot and in his hometown. And it had just recently been declared Uriah Faber Day within the in Sacramento. Man, <laughs> but that guy but ganged out pretty quick. Yeah. Failed, failed his whole city, apparently. Uh, according right? to his paper, which yeah, was... The, the Sacramento uh, newspaper, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. 
the jerk daily. Yeah, wow. Did you guys see the pictures of Uriah's leg? Yeah. Oh, that looked like, uh, that looked horrible. That looked really nasty. Yeah. Was it, was it I mean, could you guys tell during the course of that fight with Aldo that his leg was, I mean, because clearly, you know. It was swelling. It was, it was during really the fight, it was big. Really and, and he was going down. Uh, not even necessarily getting kicked sometimes. It's just like something would happen and he'd yeah. kind of yeah. fall down. I mean, and he had two guys carry him while he was doing the post-fight uh, interview. So mm-hmm. I, in, in between rounds, his corner picked him up, right, walked right. him right on over. You know, something I'd never seen before. And yeah. uh, I mean, it was it, I. It was an entertaining fight in the fact that you just kind of saw him get a. Get chopped down and his face punched in, you know. Right. It was, it was in a like, sick, sadistic way, it was kind of fun to watch. Well, but. yeah, and I think it also, you know, kind of, a, it's always kind of fun to see uh, a, a new fighter or someone who's lesser, because Jose Aldo, you know, he's he's been on a tear, but a lot of people just don't know who he is. Yeah. And I think this kind of, like, you know, established him as kind of, like, the top of that division. And so it's kind of interesting to see, like, you know, domination by, like, the next big thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know domination. I mean, yes, yeah. technical domination, but right. I don't know if he's going to be able to use that strategy for for any other fight. Well, I mean, that's part of the fun of MMA. You get to adapt strategies mm-hmm. each, uh, each time. And whatever, if, if that's what he chose to do beforehand, man, did it work. It yeah. Was. Well, I mean, he'll, if that doesn't work, you know, let's go back to... Uh, Flying knees to decapitate people, which he did to uh, <laughs> yeah. Cub Swanson uh-huh. a, a while back. But uh, I mean, you guys saw the fight, so just keep going. And I was kind of from what I heard. But I heard the uh, you know the the fight I was kind of picking before is to be like you know it it was a fight of the year candidate. Uh, some people gave it fight of the year honors last year. Uh, ben Henderson versus um, Cowboy Donald Cerrone. Uh, you know they won mm-hmm. all five rounds last time they fought last year, and I was kind of thinking it might play out the same way this time. Not the case. Huh? Yeah, um, you know, there was all this build up coming into it. Like, man, these guys fought for 25 minutes, and nobody finished each other off. It was really exciting, and it's gonna happen again. And two minutes later, it's like, bam, fight over, by submission. Um, it was a fun two minutes, mm-hmm. but there, there just wasn't really uh, that much back and forth. It was yep. uh, a, a very quick victory by Benson Henderson. Did he? I mean. Was he pretty much uh, controlling the fight up until the uh, guillotine, or did it kind of come out of nowhere, or what was the... Uh... I didn't really see the guillotine necessarily coming until, you know, shortly before he slapped it on, but he was on top and getting kind of rolled over mm. when it happened. So, I mean, he was he was certainly winning, but I just didn't expect it uh, until, you know, shortly before it happened. Right, right. All right, very good. Yeah, no, it was... Uh, I mean, yeah, they... I watched the I actually watched the countdown to the show even though I was not going to watch it, <laughs> which was you know good. But I wanted to get some insight into it. Yeah, I mean that you know clearly you know a lot of the promotion was put into uh, Jose Aldo. I've decided to alternate between calling him Jose and Jose because that's what everyone else does. Okay. Apparently, like, uh-huh. I don't even think you know, the announcers have it figured out yet. But you know, like about half the countdown show was you know Jose Aldo and Uriah Faber, and then the you know Ben Henderson, John Cerrone got a big chunk of time to promote because I think they're both kind of very interesting personalities for totally different ways, and it was. Uh, I thought it was built up well. And it was sure was built up well, yeah. but, you know, well, at it, the end it was still, uh-huh, oh, God. Was that disappointing to you, though? I mean, because, you know, I... I, I had nothing not, going into it, though, right. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm definitely not giving, giving you grief for it at all, but, I mean, you know, just a few weeks ago we were talking about how there's this outcry that George St. Pierre can't finish fights or Anderson Silva can't finish fights, and then Benson Henderson finishes a fight, and people are like, oh, it was kind of anticlimactic. Hmm. Well, the thing about that was that we were expecting a war, right. and, like... Right. 
even if one of them finished the other guy off in, say, the third round, right. you know, you can see yeah, a, yeah. a lot of fighting in the first 15 minutes and then see somebody get put yeah. away. But, I mean, there was very little damage done yeah. in this fight. It, uh... And you never saw the tide turn at all. It was right. it was all one guy. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point because yeah, they really built up like how the last battle or their last fight was such a battle. It was back and forth, you know, and it was a really close decision. And uh, not, and not happens, man. Yeah. But but I think that just definitely helps because kind of I think a lot of the weight classes in the WC it seems like they just kind of have like a top three or four guys who are just kind of like the revolving door of title challengers, and this kind of puts Donald Cerrone out of that door. For a little bit at least, you know, he'll have to get a few more wins before he can get back in there. And you know, yeah. I don't know if any. And if it had been another close decision, then you could have the argument of like, oh, let's get Henderson Cerrone three. Whereas you know, if he's been finished off cleanly, quickly, you're not going to be clamoring for that again so soon. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to say that he would deserve another title shot after that, but. At, at the same time, I don't really know a whole lot of other lightweights in the the WEC. I know there's Jamie Varner in there somewhere, but he's uh, coming off a loss, I believe, to one of these guys. Yeah, so. he, he he got choked out by Ben Henderson as well. Um, I believe. Yeah, yeah, shit, no. I was I was about to say Shane Roller, who had a win over Anthony and Joe but I think that's I think that's uh, no, no, that is lightweight. Yeah, so he uh, he might be uh, in contention there, I believe. That was another. That was a pretty quick fight there. Uh, another one where they were like, they were talking about how one guy is such a, a incredible striker, coming off a bunch of knockouts, including that one where the guy was running away and got kicked in the head. Yeah, Chris Hordecki just uh, took one directly in the face, even though Njokawani was coming from be- behind with the kick. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, and uh, he, he just did not get a chance to do anything in that fight. Got taken down immediately and uh, worked for a little bit before getting submitted. Yeah. Oh, a little tip to uh, any MMA fighters out there: if you lose your fight and are upset about it, don't uh, go to Twitter and call your opponent um, a homosexual. Maybe a good decision. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, yeah, and Jokowani, and he essentially apologized, but uh, basically was uh, venting some frustrations. It would appear, and perhaps said some things that uh, could be perceived as a little uh, mean spirited. Mm. Well, so, uh, that's what you get. Yeah, it was, uh, it was bad news, and uh, but uh, perhaps you should have not gotten taken <laughs> down. Yeah, it was very akin. Uh, it was it, it was akin to when Jamie Varner lost to Ben Henderson, and then afterwards Varner basically came to like, well, I came to fight, he came to grapple, and it is mixed martial arts. Yeah, but uh, my feelings on that is that perhaps you should take up kickboxing. <laughs> yeah, there's money in that sport too. I- exactly, learn how to stop a takedown, and uh, you know, ca- call it good. But uh, what other fights were actually? Did, I mean, it sounds like a lot of the fights got aired on the pay per view. I mean, what uh, what else stood out to you guys? It was good seeing uh, Manny Gambarian get that big knockout over Mike Brown. That was that has to be like one of the bigger upsets of the of the night, I would think. I think it was the biggest one. He yeah. came in at a uh, at plus four fifty, I think, mm-hmm. for the betting odds, which is a huge underdog fighting a guy who is a recent champion. Beat Uriah uh, Faber twice, yeah. Yeah, um, and you know he's got a lot of notable wins besides that, and. Uh, you know, like I didn't really see this one coming at all. I thought if Manny was going to win, it was going to be kind of on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had some success on the Ultimate Fighter and, you know, in the UFC, but he's always struck me as kind of having some issues with strikers. Uh, the Rob Emerson fight, he got knocked out really quickly, but he uh, he, he knocked out Mike Brown, which uh, caught me by surprise. Caught a lot of people by surprise, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely one of those, you know, when I was, saw the results later, I was like, what? That can't be, like, cause it's just one of those, something that's totally unexpected, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, 
saying Mike Brown, he has wins over, uh, you know, Manny Reyes Jr., Jeff Curran. As I mentioned, the two wins over Faber, Leonard Garcia, he's beat, uh, Anthony Morrison, and then, you know, recent losses, just recently Manny Gamburian, and then, of course, to the current champ, uh, Jesse Aldo. But, uh, yeah, he's got a pretty, uh, pretty long and storied, uh, resume. So it was, yeah. it was kind of surprising, you know, everyone loses, but just as, like, that, that seemed really quick that he just got, that was Robert, uh, I mean. That was a really quick punch too. Yeah. When they showed that in real time, we didn't even see the punch. Mm-hmm. Uh it looked like Manny was rocked by a punch from Mike Brown and uh all of a sudden Mike goes down and in the replay they show that he had a a short hook, I think it was, that put him away, but it was like it was it was incredibly fast and you couldn't see it. Yeah. Um the other name that stuck out to me, just looking at the results, uh, Ultimate Fighter, uh, the Ultimate Fighter season one alumni, Alex Carolexis, is still uh, still in the Zufa brand, and he uh, he he got choked out by um, Anthony Pettis. Did you guys did you guys see that on the card? Or was I don't believe that, that one was okay. on the card. But uh, yeah, it's always uh, interesting to see uh, you know just the ult- people who from the Ultimate Fighter show who necessarily haven't uh, done what as well as uh, you know. They're so counterparts, but they still have a job. Right, exactly. Some of their peers. Yeah, and I think it's. I think it is really just like the season one tough crew just kind of has that like cachet with Dana White and Zufa, uh, just because you know what that show did for the UFC and its popularity and everything like that. Well, also there's something to be said for name recognition, mm-hmm. and I would think no matter how bad of a fighter you are, if you want to continue fighting. Um, you know, you will not necessarily stay in the UFC, but if you right. get on a season of The Ultimate Fighter... That's with you forever, yeah. That's with you forever, and you're going to command bigger paydays yeah. for the rest of your career just because you're that guy who got, you know, choked out in one minute on season six or, you know, whatever. But you can come to Anchorage, Alaska and headline AFC. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, whatever. We don't have the populace for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a big name value, uh, and, you know, a guy like Alex Karalexis, who may not be... The greatest fighter out there, but he's got a much bigger name than 99% of the fighters out there just because yeah. he was on TV for 13 weeks. Julio Polino. <laughs> he, he's fought on a WEC undercard. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm very excited. Got um, his foot stuck in a cage. So, <laughs> so before we get into any uh, more MMA controversy that's not related to a fight card, uh, the one that uh, on the card that kind of there seemed to be a bit of a – Squabbling after the fact was the uh, the split decision between uh, Leonard Garcia and Chang Sung Jung, or aka oh. the Korean Zombie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a split decision, but uh, a lot of people, uh, MMA journalists, that sort of thing, a lot of people watching the fights at home on TV. It, it seemed to be, you know, the internet consensus was that the wrong guy won the fight, and um, it, 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 the argument seems to be centered around the whole like looking like you're doing something as opposed to actual effectiveness, where it seemed, um, you know, a lot of the uh, commentators, not commentators, you know, on the show, but, uh, you know, the, the pundits, that sort of thing after the fact were saying that, you know, uh, Jung had been landing a lot more punches. They just weren't, you know, these crazy, like, looping, you know, he wasn't throwing the heavy-looking punches that Leonard Garcia was having, but he was landing a lot more effectively, whereas Garcia was throwing these crazy-looking punches but wasn't hitting as much. Yeah. Did you guys, I mean, how did you guys see that fight when it, that was the one that aired on Spike, and yeah, did it, it was, get replayed on the pay-per-view? It did. It, it was the last fight on the pay-per-view. Um, I didn't necessarily feel that it was a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if I went back and watched it and counted, yeah. um, I might feel differently, but just watching it, 
uh, you know, having some beers with the guys, and uh, it was an incredibly exciting fight. Yeah. Uh, everyone was really happy to see such a fight. Um, I think the Korean Zombie is one of my favorite fighters now. Well, he's first of all, he's got like one of the best nicknames, mm-hmm. and it's accurate. He, I, well, I would assume he's Korean. Yes. Um, and he is very zombie-like in his approach. Really? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't like going for the brains in terms of eating. But did he have his like his arms pretty much straight out, or how's how was he rolling with this thing? Kind of. I mean, you'd have to see okay, it. But okay. he he kind of had almost a dead look to him. He has a very he he looks very standing limp, if that means anything. You know, okay, okay. bit of a slouch, and if he throws a punch, it's just it's it's just like a a a, a curveball. Right, you know, okay, in baseball, okay. it's just. Long and loopy and slow, but then as soon as it connects, I mean, he really has some good follow through, and okay. I think he gets a lot of his body weight into his punches too, because he goes up and over, or, you know, around to the side, and yeah, I think either way, it's great for both of their careers. Yeah, win, lose, great fight. I was so entertained, you know, squealing with joy, and yeah. uh, and they both got $65,000 regardless of who the winner was. They both right. got a huge, for WEC standards, bonus. Yeah, I mean, like, the normal payout for those are like 10, 10 grand, so yeah, I mean, they got bumped a lot, and I think that has to do with, you know, clearly being on pay-per-view, and, you know. Yeah. Now, if you want to, you know, take this argument to, to judging-wise, I think yep. that any tool available for judges should be available to them. Yeah, like, there's three people there, with human eyes and, uh, you know, I mean, why yeah. not? Yeah, that, that's that's uh, the point I kind of wanted to get to. That's, you know, despite, you know, whether you thought it was a good or bad decision, like the thing that always drives me crazy, you know, and, and I, I, it's been around forever and I know it, but anytime the stuff comes up, it's like, man, it sure would be nice if the judges who are scoring the fights and determining, you know, who wins, who loses, you know, affecting the livelihood of these fighters, it should be nice if they had monitors to watch the fight with. And it drives me insane. I'm like, wait, they don't have that? Like, the commentators, the guys announcing, you know, Joe Rogan, Mike Goldberg, have monitors to watch mm-hmm. the fight through. The people actually scoring, filling out the scorecards, are just watching through chain link fence at a weird angle. Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. Like that, and I understand. Like you know, that would cost a lot. Like you know, would it be the state athletic commissions who provide monitors for everyone, or would it be because if it's the promotions, yeah. sure, strike forces and the UFC could afford it. But like you know, is like you know, let's say you know, let's use our local Anchorage or Alaskan promotion. You know, are they going to want to fork over? You know, like what, couple grand? For you know monitors for three judges, they wouldn't have to unless the right. you know well, the state what, that, athletic commission. Right. Gets well, that's involved. an example I'm using, but I mean, there's plenty of like small town promotions in regulated states that would have to abide by those rules. But uh, they got to mm-hmm. figure something out because it's kind of just the idea that you know in this day and age with this technology, the whole the, the they should have monitors. They, they should. Yeah. I think that's the kind of thing that maybe the UFC could choose to make an investment in. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know how these uh, commissions work. They might have a rule against it. Which, yeah, which would be, be funny because, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, like the UFC could be like, oh, well, for our, our cards, we'll provide monitors for the judges. And that would be... That'd be hilarious if the commission's like, oh no, you can't, uh, you can't have monitors. Yeah, what are we gonna do? Have the local soccer game that's down the street have monitors? <laughs> right, you know? right, right. You gotta give them to one. You gotta give them to everybody else. That's that's the state. Like, you know? Going back to the decision, yeah. uh, in this particular one is like, it was a close fight. Yeah. It was a brawl. I yeah. mean, it wasn't a massacre. Yeah. It's not like uh, the Korean zombie was destroying Garcia. He mm-hmm. was getting tagged plenty too. Yeah. So, you know, like you can complain if you want, but. I'm not gonna. Well, <laughs> I, I would have I liked to see uh, the zombie win just yeah. because he has an awesome style and name. Uh, and, you know, like, I probably would have given it to him, but 
When it's a close fight, it's a close fight. You know, one of the judges gave it to him. Yeah. So it, it's not like the uh, Machida Shogun one where this is controversial and all three judges gave it yeah. to the wrong guy. Yeah, it's two out of three. Nobody's ever going to be happy with a split decision, I think. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Um, I actually kind of the other big talking point out of this, you know, at least from what I've, you know, kind of read and collected uh, since since the event was, you know, what do you do with uh, Uriah Faber now? He's challenged for the belt multiple times, hasn't gotten it back. Does he drop a weight class? Uh, I, I think he used to actually fight at a lower at 135 as opposed to 145. Hmm. Would you guys? And then that would set up like. It's not nearly as exciting now, but about a year ago, people were really stoked for, like, a Miguel Torres-Uriah Faber fight when they were both champs. Now they're both not champs, but that would still be – I think that would still be a great, fun, entertaining – that you could hype that up. I don't remember well, who it fight. is, yeah. but I know that there's one of Uriah Faber's boys that's in the upper levels of uh, the 135 division. I think that's Chad Mendez. Um, so, obviously, he couldn't fight whoever that is. If right. it is Chad Mendez, so that wouldn't be a huge issue because he's at least not the champ. Uh, I don't think it's Dominic Cruz is, is the uh, is his buddy, but I mean, he could. I guess I, I don't know how the weight cut would affect him. I, yeah. I don't know if he's capable of making 135 right now. But if he is, that would be something interesting for him to do. And since he's the face of the organization, I'm sure they'd like him to make a title run. Yeah. Um, and I'd be happy to see that at 135. Uh, I think he's too small to make a run at 155. Yeah. But Dana White says that, uh, you know, maybe Jose Aldo wants to go to 155 and challenge BJ Penn. Yes. Um, so maybe that'll kind of clear some way for Uriah Faber to get the belt back uh, maybe a year from now. In the meantime, you know, he, he's clearly got a little bit of healing to do. I, be, I doubt he's walking today. I, I did see a, a day after interview with a, some, some website. It was, like, done on a camera phone or whatever. But he was on crutches. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, I mean, give him some time to heal up, get back to training, uh, give him a few matches that he can win, which are probably just about everyone besides Jose Aldo and arguably uh, Mike Brown. Yeah, give him a couple more AMP commercials. You know. Yeah. And, uh, make that paper, man. <laughs> you, know, you know, let's see what the title picture looks like in a year. Yeah. Uh, because it may look completely different. Jose Aldo may be gone. He may lose to a guy that Uriah Faber could beat. Yeah. Um, I mean, just because of the way that uh, styles play against each other. Uh, that was kind of a frustrating fight to watch in some aspects if you're if you're going for Uriah Faber because clearly, like, he was the guy who wanted to take it to the ground. And this is something that mm-hmm. Joe Rogan was all all about during the fight. Where he was trying, you know, he, he wanted Uriah Faber to go for the takedown, and he wasn't until he got his leg kicked out from under him. And he was going for the takedown late, but it's like it's not happening there. Well, yeah, and especially once your leg's been worn down, you can't, like, do the shot as well, or yeah. Like that, so. it, it was a lot like uh, when Josh Koscheck fought Tiago Alves. Mm. It's like Josh Koscheck's got some of the best wrestling in the sport, but after getting your leg kicked for ten minutes, that's not necessarily the same. If you're gonna go against a leg kicker, you got to take him down in the first round, and uh, it, that, that was something that happened to Uriah Faber. Uh, Jose Aldo could lose potentially to maybe a better striker than him. He's an outstanding striker, but. It happens all the time in this sport where all of a sudden some new guy comes yeah. who's even better. I mean, nobody knew who Jose Aldo was a year ago. Yeah. So, you know, somebody may uh, take him out, and then Uriah Faber could take him down and submit him. Yeah. So uh, I, I think Uriah Faber needs a little bit more building up once again, but I think he'll be uh, he'll be back, and he's still probably the biggest draw even in defeat. He showed a hell of a lot of heart. 
Yeah, I think that always helps. And I, I, I think with a lot of, you know, we've seen in the UFC, you know, like your Matt Hughes or your Chuck Liddell, even if they've lost several times and just aren't even, you know, close again to get into that belt, they still have that cachet with fans. And I think Uriah Faber is probably, you know, kind of in that, you know, he's got the name value, he's got that that appeal, he's he's marketable. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure if he goes like on 10 fight skid, then people might lose interest. But I still think he's got that uh be able to bring in the fans, bring in the eyeballs. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested. I know, like, last week we were talking about, you know, what what the numbers for this pay-per-view might be. And, you know, if, you know, we didn't think it was necessarily going to be good. But because of the way they, you know, they marketed it, you know, with kind of less branding of the WEC and just like, you know, hey, it's, you know, Joe Rogan, Dana White talking about the fights on Spike TV, buy it on mm-hmm. pay-per-view, you know. People, did, did they trick people into thinking it was the UFC and then they accidentally <laughs> watched a really good uh WEC fight night or, you know. Either way, it seems like a win-win for the WEC. Yeah, WEC, Zufa, If they can yeah. keep up this, uh, you know, keep it up, though, is the real question. Yeah, they really stacked this card. Yeah. I mean, they've got some other fighters, and, you know, depending on, like, how injuries work out, and some of these guys may be able to come back quick. But still, yeah, it's like they, they threw a lot at this card. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're certainly not putting a card like this on for at least six months. Yeah. Uh, Unless they just put all the same fighters on their next, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm, tra- I'm looking up their next the next event, which is WC49, which I believe will be on Versus. And uh, I believe the headline event is Jamie Varner versus Kamal Shalarus, which would be, you could make the argument that might be, you know, if, if you, we could see a challenger for the uh, Benson Henderson's title. Coming out of that, um, I guess, basically, if Shalarus won, he might make a run. But, uh, yeah, you know, Jamie Varner, who just came off a loss, and then you have, Chris Hordecki's on it, Ed Ratcliffe, Josh Grisby, Elsie Davis, a couple other guys, uh, Wagney Fabiano, Frank Gomez. So, you know, the the, the name recognition kind of tapers off a bit. You know, of course, the hardcore fans are always going to be there for, you know, who's ever fighting on WC or yeah, UFC you know, card. Yeah, it, it's free fights on a Sunday night. Yeah. And they'll probably get pretty good numbers for the next one because this one, you know, went so well. So it really Hopefully, just depends yeah. on... How the next one goes, just take it by a, event by event, you know, basis. And this one was was awesome. It was very entertaining. Yeah. I know a couple people that didn't get it and then are just going to order it, yeah. you know, in the future just yeah. because of the word of mouth of it alone. So, well, so nice to have a fight card where we ha- don't have to talk about a post-fight brawl or a champion dancing against his opponent. Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and if there's anyone out there who saw this event that, you know, is always kind of like fighters, the bigger the better, you know, like people – because there's a lot of people that just think, like, the heavyweight champ is the best, and, you know, as weight classes get smaller, they care less and less. If you saw this and that was your attitude, uh, I think most likely your attitude has changed because these were exciting fights, and I can't think of a UFC that was this overall exciting in Mm -hmm. recent memory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, So any other closing thoughts on the uh, WC card for you guys? or? No, it was, it was Shall good. we move on to more domestic issues? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Um, so wh- who situa- wants to spill the beans? Right, I mean, the situation might is probably going to be totally different by the time this goes to podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Tito Ortiz was arrested Monday in Huntington Beach um, by police on a suspicion of domestic violence, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. Um, and the last we heard, he uh, had been released on $25,000 bail. Oh, he's been released now? Yeah. And okay. something about pushing, and then also Jenna will be pressing charges, so he must have... Uh, yes. Well, she's she's uh, gotten the restraining order yeah. already. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as, as, quick. as of Monday evening, yeah, Alaska Standard Time. Um, let's see. I'm looking, it, it always bothers me that TMZ is always on top of this stuff. 
But I mean, well, they have the resources, and they're like, it's it's a porn star and a fighter, and like, yeah, and so many times it's just yeah. the paparazzi yeah. selling it to TMZ. Oh, yeah. you know that they've got just a good bank of it. That you know, in those places, those yeah. people are just you know, like schools of fish. Yeah, you know? exactly. It, it's a viable career there. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like all the reports, and I'm looking up, you know, bloody Fo- up, great you know. photos of Tito walking out cuffed with a jacket over his arm, so you didn't see him in his white shorts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the jacket over his his yeah. uh, torso, so you right, can't right. see his hands okay. cuffed. Like that yeah. was going to be the big deal, right, right, you know. Right. It's like, well, they know who I am, so. Yeah. So having a little bit of sense of propriety to it, I suppose. Yeah, but uh, you know the official uh, reports coming in. Uh, call was put into Huntington Beach Police uh, just before 10 o'clock in California. A.M. Yeah. yeah. Before a morning fight go going like that, so they probably weren't even drinking. You know. Yeah, it was quite possibly a sober domestic abuse. Waking up yeah. about what 6 a.m. maybe for Tito five on a training day. I'm not one for speculation. Hey, look, man, I'm trying <laughs> to get into the mind. I'm medium over here, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay, but uh, the uh, the police reported that it was a uh, it had been a report of a boyfriend pushing the girlfriend down. Uh, that was the official word, and uh, you know they responded, and then Tito was arrested. Um, and yeah, since then we've had the restraining order. Uh, he's been uh, he was held held and has since been released on twenty five thousand dollars bail. TMZ actually got in touch with Dana White, talked to Dana White uh, about this, and he said, you know, we're going to be fair. Uh, his exact quote was, "We're going to be fair, but we could cut him." And, uh, you know, I don't uh, blame him for that. It's, the you know, a parallel situation, not to the extreme, yeah. of course, but in the NFL with Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was not charged with a crime, but, you know, had some stuff going on at in nightclubs, that sort of thing. He's been six-game suspension, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if the, basically Dana White saying if the, these charges have uh, are credible, you know, if they have weight behind them, you know, we, we, could, uh, we could see a fighter cut from the uh, UFC, which, you know, I don't want to get all too uh, into it, but yeah, I mean, that seems like an appropriate step for the... What are they going to do with uh, the Ultimate Fighter, you know? It's like, so many more eyes are going to be glued to that. Are they going to edit it down? Tito's part? We already know Tito's you know, Rich Franklin came in to replace him, except from all accounts, and Tito left the show from some sort of illness, so maybe they'll re-edit it and just have that happen sooner and who knows, but I would imagine they're going to have to do something because that would... I don't know. I mean, it's like, is... As realistic as it sounds, it's probably going to do wonders for the ratings of the show. Oh, yeah. It's always kind of weird to talk about, you know, like, what does this, you know, personal event, this kind of, you know, sad domestic violence issue mean for the UFC and stuff? And I hate to, you know, bring it to that, but, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Because, yeah, probably more people will tune in. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Tito Ortiz is a trending topic on Twitter and, you know, Google search and all that. So, but, you know, it's just bizarre. And It's uh, unfortunate, you know. I wish, uh, wish people could... You know, talk it out, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And it's so, um, they really thin down that line for for sports people, I think, more than any other form of celebrity in the United States, mm. you know, that their personal actions are taken more into account than, than anything yeah. else. You know, actors and musicians yeah. can have drug habits and, you know, get arrested a few times. And that stuff just doesn't fly for sports figures, probably because they're so much more famous or well you know, I, I think there's something to be said for the role model aspect too um especially for a guy like ben roethlisberger where it's like you're a super bowl winning quarterback yeah uh you know there's going to be millions of kids looking up to you you know tons of people with uh the poster of him on the wall so i i think probably in his case that's uh that's why he would be held to a higher standard and then there's tito where it's like you're a fighter 
can't be beating up women. Yeah. Not that anyone can be beating up women, but when you're a fighter, you know, you're a tough guy for a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that makes it that much worse. Yeah, it you know, plays into the stereotypes of, you know, like, oh, these guys are just, you know, like street fighter type things. And, yeah, and, and you know, I was having a conversation with someone at work earlier, just the idea of that, you know, it. and again, it's not like it's any better or worse, but it's one thing if, like, you know, a pro athlete, you know, gets into some trouble or, you know, God forbid, you know, gets gets violent on someone. It's another thing when the pro athlete is a pro fighter where they're actually trained to be able to hurt people. And, you know, and this point, it you know, so far from reports, it doesn't sound like that was the case. It sounds like, you know, according to the, the call, it was a push, whatever. But, uh, yeah, just that much more. The potential is so much worse, it seems. I don't know. Yeah. One thing that I've heard uh, a long time ago is that if you're a trained fighter, if a fight situation ever comes up, you know, you, you basically just got to avoid it at all right. costs. Even if it makes you, you know, be the pussy, it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. because when the legal aspect comes into things and the uh, the media and all that stuff, it's just like, oh, so you're a trained killing machine and you beat up this drunk guy. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you know, so in situations like this, and this is not even, you know, really related to the Tito situation yeah. anymore, but just like... If you're a mixed martial artist, it's like you need to avoid fighting when you're not in the cage at all costs. Because at that point, it's not even fair uh, for you know a, an extremely trained fighter to be beaten up on some guy. Yeah, and it's got to be a little. Uh, and also, Jenna Jameson's former profession is getting thrown around a little bit too. Just you know, uh, troll speculation mm-hmm. on the internet. It's like, should Jenna even be believed? You know, did she just snap and go crazy? She was a, you know, was a porn star for several oh. years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently her dad was the one who made the nine one one call in the first place. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if he was present the whole situation or what the deal was. Because I mean, it's one of those things where. We're never going to get all the details, yeah. I'm sure. Well, you also got to keep in mind it's not just, you know, Tito and Jenna. They have two kids mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. So it's always, but, yeah, I don't want to get into speculation. Like, I always... Oh, but I, it's I so much fun, yeah. Tobin. Come well, you know, I'm all about speculating about upcoming fights and who's going to coach the next Ultimate Fighter. But no. we're like, crime stuff, man. Man, I'm I think like, they yeah. were Satanists, man, yeah. and it was, a, it was a sacrifice gone wrong. They were high on meth for three days. I think you're thinking of Mike Whitehead. Oh, yes, mm. sorry. <laughs> There's a big porn fight, and he yeah. beat everyone up. But, yeah, no, there's, like, the immediate speculation that goes into the stuff. Like, before even, like, the, the facts have gotten sorted out or, like, the all the uh, statements and stuff have come down, you know, and officials and authorities have kind of worked through it. Like, the Internet yeah. and just talking Welcome to America, Tobin. I know. I hate it. I hate it sometimes. <laughs> but uh, we can all we can all make fun of Mike Whitehead, though. Yes. Arrested for sexual assault, open and gross lewdness. Way to go, Mike. Yeah, this is, this is last week. So, uh, but uh, a much more famous fighter got arrested, you know. This week, With a so. much more famous yeah. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Was yeah. Jesse James finally breathing a sigh of relief? He uh, he took all the heat off of a uh, tiger. Now yeah. Tito Ortiz takes the heat off well, of Jesse know, James, which I doubt is going to happen. I'd be interested to catch like Sports Center or something tonight because you know I didn't I, I I at my job I have the cable news running kind of throughout mm-hmm. the day and, and you know normally it didn't I didn't see it on the scroll you know at the bottom like stream or anything like that and. I remember, and it's a much more serious case, but when Chris Benoit killed his family as a professional wrestler, that's like the first time you ever see professional wrestling. The only time you see professional wrestling make it into the mainstream news is when something horrible happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, but, and I remember, you know, CNN and Fox News and stuff cutting in when that stuff happened. Oh, yeah. It, well, was, it was huge. And nah. I, didn't see, I didn't see any kind of cut-ins or any mentions of like, oh, you know, a famous MMA fighter arrested for uh, allegedly uh, uh, attacking his porn star wife. You know, I, yeah. I didn't see that at all in the news yet. I mean, it's because it just happened. You know, this, on Monday, 
Um, you know, and I don't know if it'll I show up on the... I can't see it getting huge. Right, but, but you know, I'd be kind of interested to check out, you know, ESPN Sports Center, see if it comes up on like, a show like that, or, you know, like they're mm-hmm. crazy, like, oh, guys with opinion talk show. That's show. right, well, yeah. Jim yeah. Rome. I hate, <laughs> I hate MMA, but let's talk about it anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ill-informed opinion. I think part of it may have to do with uh, the extent of the uh, the violence, because yeah. at this point we don't really know what's going yeah. on or what went down. Yeah. Um, some of the reports said that there was some visible injury on Jenna Jameson, but that could mean a number. It could very well be a bruise is a visible mm-hmm. injury. So, I mean, things have been really kind of ambiguous. We have no mm-hmm. idea like, to the extent of things. You were saying it sounded like there was a push. That, that was what was reported. Uh, I mean, a push yeah. isn't news. Um, a punch yeah. is a lot yeah. more news. Uh, a sleeper hold, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah who knows. I, it, I think that's what it really comes down to is, like, how bad was it? Yeah. And, and yeah, I think it'll really come out, you know, charges haven't been filed yet as of, mon- you know, Monday evening, but, you know, it sounds like, according to TMZ and reporters on scene, you know, it sounds like Jenna Jameson was planning, uh, you know, uh, yeah. the press charges, yeah. so who knows what'll come out. And, uh, you know, those people are vultures, so anything she yelled out a window, you know, is taken into right. context. Or well, yeah. Because it, it should, I suppose. Uh, it sounds like, you know, they were yelling at her, like, are you going to press charges? Has he ever done this before? That kind of stuff. No. So. Yeah, and she said that he hadn't done it before. Right. She said it was a first-time issue, so. Yeah, so. Um, Anything else we got out there? Yeah, let's talk about some more pleasant stuff. Like, okay. Uh, Rainbows we, and no, lollipops. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no major fights. Uh, Strike Force UFC WEC this upcoming weekend, but yeah, you know, we might have to go like party or something. Yeah, this weekend. get a get a week off, get, weekend get, off. Take some time off. It's nice. I'll let you guys know. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm sorry I missed the U- the WEC though, but uh, it is nice to have a Saturday night to do something else. It is. Go see but, a uh, singer songwriter too. Yeah, you know? go out go out to the valley. You know, just take some time. Go to a, go to a little cafe music show. It's good <laughs> stuff. Good stuff. But uh. We got the uh, the UFC uh, Machida vs Shogun rematch on the eighth of May, and then Strike Force has their uh, heavy artillery Ooh. on the fifteenth, and uh, they I think they've confirmed the card at that uh, for that the fifteenth uh, show. So uh, looking that up, but uh, no Fedor yet. I think he was they were kind of hoping he may fight be able to fight by June, but those crazy Russians, as Dana White likes to call them, uh, I M1. think it's pretty accurate at this point. Yeah, like you know. Sometimes you got to take what Jana White says with a grain of salt and be like, oh, he's just upset because he can't sign Fedor himself and he's just going crazy on those uh, Fedor's management. But, yeah, M1 seems to have issues with every promotion they've dealed with, dealt with at this point. It's like, oh, you, didn't ha- you haven't promoted enough obscure Eastern European fighters on your main card, so yes. Fedor won't fight. And, and all the, the promotions that yeah. they have gone to are out of business. I think that's, that's just a coincidence, man. Yeah, yeah. But, something's up. But, uh, we, I mean, this upcoming uh, Strike Force card lo- is looking pretty good. I was talking a little bit before the show. Uh, you know, name value might not look as good as, like, what they had on CBS, but as far as, like, the quality of fights might end up being, uh, it's looking pretty solid so far. Uh, Alistar Overeem finally fighting to defend his Strike Force uh, heavyweight Come title back, yeah. that he's had for two and a half years. Yeah, uh, take, took it off of uh, UFC journeyman vet Paul Buentello back in the day, and uh, now he will be defending it against uh, Brett Rogers. Brett Rogers, who had he not gotten you know his clock cleaned by Fedor, you know Brett Rogers, you know a legitimate top heavyweight, you know. Yeah, he was on a roll. It, you know, smoked Andre Arlovsky and you know held his own for a bit against Fedor, and uh, you know proved he he belongs. You know, in the heavyweight division as a as a competitive fighter, at least you know in Strike Force, and I would imagine he can hold his own against several UFC heavyweights as well. 
But uh, it's just that whole, the idea of, like, you know, a guy who's coming off of a loss fighting for a championship. But I think that's happened in the UFC before, you know, in the dark days where, you know, the Andre Arlovsky, Tim Sylvia trilogy, and then you had injuries and... Um, uh, yeah. was, it, was it Justin Eilers mm-hmm. or one of those who, you know, had come off a loss, but he was an injury replacement and fought for a title? So Yeah, he injured Paul Buentello, actually, uh, or lost to Paul Buentello and yep. replaced him and then lost. And, but then Paul Buentello lost shortly after that also. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't see this as being a, a huge issue that he's coming off a loss. It, it, it looks bad, but at the same time, like, he lost to Fedor. Fight, yeah. He went over a round, which is more than a couple of recent UFC champions can say. Yep. And, um, you know, it's like it should be a good fight. Uh, he's certainly like a legitimate contender, and yep. uh, I, I think he's got a good shot. Yeah, and just kind of follow up from what, Matt, you brought up last week. Like, do, how much do the belts matter, especially in, like, you know, secondary organizations like Strike Force? And, you know, this is a perfect example of that. You know, I don't – the fact that this is a championship fight doesn't necessarily matter to me. It's like we could see – Alistair Overeem, who's a top 10 fighter, versus uh, Brett Rogers, again, a top fighter considered by many, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, they, you know, we get to see good fights, you know, and, and the belt, and especially for heavyweights, I mean. And, I don't and know belts are semi-important. Right. I, wasn't, right. I was never saying that, you know, we should do away with them. Just right, right, right. Oh, stacking yeah, three of them yeah. in one event is yeah. a little much. But, but yeah, that's the point is, like, the, the belt in this point, uh, except for the fact that I'm sure Strike Force is hoping Brett Rogers – uh, punches through Overeem's face and, you know, gets the belt back into the organization and fights, I think, mm-hmm. consistently for it. Aside from that, uh, it's just cool, good to see two, you know, top-rated heavyweights fighting each other, uh, you know. And, and on top of that, we get Andre Arlovsky fighting uh, Antonio Silva, so that should be another fun fight. Um, looking at the card, we also have uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza uh, versus Joey Villasenor, who hasn't fought for a while, but he was uh, he was in the mix there for a bit when it was still Elite XC at, at middleweight. Um, so this could be uh, a number one contenders match, perhaps, for the middleweight belt. Who, um, you know, it might be vacated soon. You guys saw. Yeah. You guys saw Dana White with uh, Jake Shield. Yeah. He looked really happy too. <laughs> I, I believe that was that was his eating grin. I believe. Right? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I had not seen a smile that big on his face, probably since, ever since he bought Pride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He looked pretty pumped about having Jake Shield yeah. next to him. Which uh, you know it. The uh, yeah the Jacare vs in your fight looks should be fun, um, and I'd be really excited if you know say Jake Shields stays around in Strike Force. I'd be really excited to see a Jacare Jake Shields fight because Jacare is very good on the ground, very good uh, submissions, uh, jujitsu, and he's uh, you know he showed improved stand up uh, striking against um, Matt Lindland in his last fight, and Jake Shields despite you know being able to survive getting punched in the head a couple times by Dan Henderson still has. Uh, questionable stand-up, you know, as, as far as his own striking ability. Goes. Is there anybody tougher that they could throw him against? Because I bet that's what they would want to do, is just, you know, get a couple losses under him before he, uh, before he right. leaves. Well, his contract is over now, yeah. so if he wants to leave, he can leave. Yeah. At this point, he can't sign with the UFC yet because they've got, like, a... Strike Force has, like, oh, no 30 days clause. to sign him or something okay. like that. Yeah. So Dana White hasn't signed him yet. Uh, and he can't until like a month from now. Right. But if Jake Shield wants to go, he can go before his next fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it'll be really interesting to see you know what happens with Shields, how that affects the Strike Force's uh, middleweights. You know. Um, but I mean, if it, if it gets vacated, you, you could still try and sell the uh, Jacare Mayhem Miller rematch because there's uh, 
I believe one win from uh, Jacques Ray and then a no contest in the second fight because of an illegal kick or something like that. So you could try and sell it on on that drama. But anytime there's a vacant title, it always kind of causes confusion and panic. So uh, we'll, we'll see what, what plays out there. And anytime Mayhem is on the card, you know. we'll be watching. Seriously. Uh, other, other, I'm not going to go through the whole list of the Strike Force card, but other notable ones. Uh, one that really stuck out to me, first of all, we have another, uh, I believe another Gracie on the card. Mm. Uh Man. I almost said Roger Gracie, but that would be it'd be Hodger, yes. correct? Yes. So uh, he's uh, fighting. Let's see here, uh, Kevin Randleman of all people. Oh, nice. So that'll be. I mean, Kevin Randleman's got. Uh, I don't even know if he has name value at this point, but he's a UFC veteran, and I, I think, know him. And, and <laughs> I think this is one of those, you know, he's a former uh, UFC champion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, Hodger Gracie's two and zero in MMA. He's you know got a lot of grappling experience clearly, um, and, and he's uh, a pretty. Exciting prospect at this point. Yeah, Hopefully he's the big Gracie hope for yeah. the new generation. Yeah, until until Kyra Gracie gets starts doing women's MMA again, or gets into that more. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. he he's got some strong, he's got some big upside, and I think you know getting a win over Kevin Randleman well, isn't going to rocket you to fame at this point. It's, that's a solid you know kind of name to have under your belt at, at such a young uh, stage in your career. So that that should be fun. Uh, also, the other one that surprised me is Kid Yamamoto, uh, oh. who's a, a well known. A uh, Japanese fighter is fighting on the undercard. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's not well-known in America, but that hasn't stopped Strike Force or the UFC from bringing in people who aren't as well-known in the States and having them fight. Yeah. Um. Man, he was like a top guy for a really long time in a number of weight classes. Mm-hmm. And, and for a while, like the dream matchup was him versus Uriah Faber uh, yeah. a year or two ago. Well, I mean... Here's a guy who started out at 135, mm. was fighting, destroyed everyone. Uh, the organization he was fighting for decided that he had no competition there, moved him up to 145, then eventually moved him up to 155 because he was just yeah. destroying everyone. And people were talking about putting him up against Sean Shirk, which most people uh, were thinking Sean would probably win. But the fact you know, you're talking about two weight classes apart here, that really says something for Yamamoto. And I guess he's kind of had a drop-off recently. Um, Mm -hmm. His name really hasn't been around too much in the past couple years, and I heard he got at least one loss in there. Right. He's 17-3, and and two of those losses just came, uh, are his most recent losses. Uh, He lost to Joe Warren uh, during the uh, Dream Featherweight Grand Prix in 2009. Uh, Would be uh, May 2009, and then lost a split decision there, and then also took a loss in uh, December 2009 at K1 Dynamite. Mm. So, uh, but besides that, you know, before that, his last loss was in 2002, and you know, he fought some pretty tough competition in between. Then, you know, beat Kaluno, uh, and he's got one of know. the fastest knockouts in mixed martial arts history <laughs> with a flying running knee. It was like a four-second fight or something like that. Yeah. Um, Is it because the sticky pants guy lost last time that maybe they're sticking him in the uh, in the undercard? Yeah. That, that seems it, it. It seems really bizarre. I don't. I don't think it's because of. Uh, Shinaoki yeah. losing. It, it's I don't know if there's some like weird contract thing where because they have that um and I don't even know if uh, Kid Yamamoto is specifically a Dream Fighter because Strike Force and Dream had that synergy going on. Yeah, I thought and it maybe was a K1 just, guy. Right, and maybe they're just throwing him a bone to be like, oh yeah, here's a fight to you know to keep you busy. But it, it seems weird that you wouldn't want to try and market you know a legitimate MMA star in Japan and, and try and get him a little more exposure. Maybe they'll maybe they'll tape his prelim and I hope we see more of that from Strike Force where they actually. Do more with their prelims, but yeah. uh, and he's fighting uh, someone I've never heard of, but that doesn't mean anything. 
Yeah. Well, but, uh, with Federico Lo- Lopez. Yeah, I don't know him either. Nope. But uh, yeah, no, that Strike Force card, uh, heavy artillery, looks like it should be a uh, fun and. Uh, I was looking through all the heavyweight fighters they got on there. I'm like, you know, this is this is really kind of helped sort out the division because a lot of their guys they kind of had built up as contenders had had were coming off of losses. You know, Arlovsky got his clock cleaned by Rogers, and then Rogers, you know, got put down by Fedor, and then you know Antonio Silva, who people kind of you know were putting him up, you know, you know a couple more wins, and he could be you know another contender. Uh, Verdum beat him, so it was kind of like this whole like, well, what do you guys do with all these? You know, up and coming heavyweights, or you know, heavyweights who have been you know known but haven't gotten a win recently. So this will this should iron out a little bit of that. You know, get get a win for a few heavyweights and sounds exciting. And yeah. I think it'll give us a better idea of where Alistair Overeem is at. Is right now he's kind of a question mark. A lot of yeah. people have been ranking him really high. And in terms of mixed martial arts competition, I don't know that he's really deserved a lot of these rankings he's been getting. I know that he's been doing a lot of fighting in K1, mm-hmm. uh, some of the kickboxing, and he's been, you know, winning in mixed martial arts, but he hasn't really been fighting anyone either. His most notable win in the last few years was, uh, I, I guess it actually ended up being a no contest or a disqualification. They won against yeah. Krokop, which he was winning that, but beating up Krokop these days is not a huge feather in your cap. Right. It's a name, but it's not. Uh, it's not like nobody else is doing it. And, um, you know, Overeem has been getting a lot of hype. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are saying that he's the man to take out Fedor. Uh, and at, at this point, I don't know that necessarily a lot of the hype has been warranted because, you know, he, he certainly put on a lot of size since yeah. his days in Pride. But when he was in Pride, he was never, like, clearly uh, head and shoulders above uh, a lot of the competition. He lost a, a significant amount of his fights. Yeah, lost to Mauricio Hua, uh, Antonio... Rogerio Noguera beat Vitor Belfort, lost to Fabrico Verdum. Yeah, so he's got, I mean, his early career is not that impressive, you know. Um, I mean, he's fought, you know, back in the Pride days, yeah, he did fight a lot of top, top, high, higher level, level competition, but again, he didn't win too yeah. much against them. And, you know, now his, his latest wins are against uh, Fujita at K1, uh, a knee. Before that, uh, taking on the ever-impressive uh, James Thompson. Yeah, so, I mean, like... <laughs> He, he's looked very impressive, but I don't know that he warrants yeah. a lot of the praise that he's gotten. Yeah. So this fight against Brett Rogers is going to really show us where yeah. not only Brett Rogers belongs in the division, but where Overeem belongs. Yeah, and, um, you know, it, it's been a while since I've seen Overeem fight, but, you know, uh, there's always going to be that replay of him versus Chuck Liddell in Pride where uh, yeah. Overeem demonstrates that uh, getting punched directly in the face is not something he deals with well. And if we know anything about Brett Rogers that he can punch people in the face very hard. Mm-hmm. So that could that could. Uh, I, I'm really excited for that fight. I, I really am. So that'll that'll be fun. And then uh, of course we'll break down the uh, the UFC card next week. But uh, that's that's one a couple of my friends who don't watch a lot of UFC are excited for just because I, I, it was just one of those things where people were uh, watching that one with with me and you know just the way the Mashida Shogun fight ended. You know they was like oh we got to see the rematch of that. It's like you know a lot of people. You know, call it, kind of, it was like someone was ripped off, all this, there's all this controversy around it. So I think it's, I'd be interested to see, I think this is going to do a really, really big number, you know. I don't know how well the first one was received just because people thought it was going to be easy for Machida. Yeah, and I thought it was going to be. Oh, exactly, yeah. You know, we were all like, oh, this is going to be, Machida's probably going to clean sweep this, you know. 
take it just because, you know, he's a counterpuncher. Shogun's always been like that kind of like coming the, the ball and yeah. and we Like, it was amazing. Like, just like, holy crap, you know, Shogun's doing it, but he didn't. Oh. Yeah. What? But yeah, no, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, hype behind this. And let's not forget it is the uh, Kimbo Slice. Uh, that's Matt right. Matt fight. The reason is why everyone's going to be watching. Is this the pay-per-view debut? This is the pay-per-view debut. Of Kimbo Slice. And we got to see a nice little interview of Kimbo yeah. on, the, on the WEC pay-per-view. Really? Uh, Joe Rogan interviewed him by way of satellite. Uh, Kimbo said that training in the MMA requires a lot of commitmentship. Yeah, uh, I believe that was a new word. <laughs> I'm fine with making up words, man. It's cool. And um, it's all reasonable as. Yeah, he, he's training real hard. He yeah. wants to knock a meathead out. Good for him. Good for him. But uh, this will be another one of those things where it's you know he's got a history of having huge TV numbers despite his talents in the ring. You know when he was on CBS, he brought huge numbers. His season of the Ultimate Fighter. Huge, best ratings that show's ever gotten, I believe. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how many people who are interested in watching him fight for free are willing to pay to see him fight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. But this is another fight um, where two guys who are expected to stand and bang are going to be going at it. But then again, we expected that with Kimbo's last fight yeah. against Houston Alexander where they, I mean... Kimball went for a takedown. It was insane. Yeah. I lost my mind. But they put together a fight where it was like, Kimbo, we're going to give you a guy who plays exactly to your strength. It's yeah. obviously Houston Alexander's strength also. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was insane that both guys kind of played to their own weaknesses. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't turn out that way this time. Because as much as I love a strategic battle... Yeah. That was pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, a lot of people said that fight was boring, and I, I, I respect that. But I found it more entertaining that these guys were completely like throwing out their game plans of what people, or at least the preconceived notions of what people expect. Like, oh, it's just gonna be two guys running in and punching each other, and like, oh, we're actually gonna try and implement strategy. And that was so much more entertaining for me, at least. Not because the fight was exciting. You had a couple of interesting moments, the Kimbo slam and everything. Yeah. But I was like losing my mind because everyone was like, oh, "This fight's not gonna out of the first round." Yeah. Yeah. And of course, and especially we, you knowing their yeah. backstory as well, you know. Like everyone kind of knows yeah. Kimbo, maybe not everyone, but Kimbo has a, yeah, but knowing Houston Alexander and just yeah. knowing how these guys are to see them uh, that happen, the the dichotomy in the comedy is just uh, Yeah, and then of course stop. you have that, you know, that little uh, basically a GIF file forever now. As soon as the fight ends, both guys just drop in and be like <laughs> like as soon as the bell rings, both guys just like hands on the knees, bent over halfway, you know, halfway yeah, yeah. over his was, I don't think either stuff. of them were expecting to go 15 minutes. No, even. That, was, that was insane. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Kimbo's progressed because, you know, he's got more hype than he is he is worth as a fighter at this point. So, and it's, uh, you know, Boss Rutten has notorious problems with, you know, just training him. And, oh, yeah. yeah. It, well, and, you know, so he, he left that camp. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what he's picked up. Can he pick up, you know, how much can he pick up at his age? You know, seems like he's really trying though. Like yeah. he knows that time isn't on his side. Yeah. And, so. and he's certainly with a good team. Oh, exactly. I yeah. mean, American Top Team. Uh, they're top. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're the bomb. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Boss Rutten training you is kind of a joke. I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't get any good training there, but you know, who is Boss Rutten training? Right. Well, I think more for me, the interesting thing there was like just like there was some personality issues there that like they they couldn't get along. And, you know, if that was on Kimbo, if that was on Boss, you know. And, I don't see how you yeah. couldn't get along with Boss Rutten, though. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's got another side yeah. when he's off camera, but yeah. he just seems like such a likable guy. 
And of course, we have the uh, basically what could be the number one contender for the uh, the welterweight fight, uh, welterweight belt, uh, Josh Koscheck versus Paul Daly. Well, I believe uh, Dana White has gone out yeah. and said that the winner of this fight is going to be on the Ultimate Fighter, yeah. along with George St. Pierre. So, for all practical purposes, that's that's yeah. not saying that you're getting a title shot, but that's yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And uh, I saw. I think it was uh, maybe on Bloody Elbow or something the other day, but a, a quote from Josh Koscheck saying, like, he's not afraid to go toe-to-toe with Paul Daly. Oh, and I will Josh. Call, I'm going to call it right now. If he does that, Paul Daly's going to win. Like, you know, I don't want to spoil our predictions for next week, but that's if he does that, that's not going to end well for him. No, that's a terrible idea, yeah. Josh. Josh, you've got some good power in your hands, but you are a wrestler. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Tom Lawler on the card as well, so hopefully he comes up to... Uh, you think he's going to do Real American Hero again? <laughs> Hulk Hogan? One can only gonna... hope. Actually, my personal favorite was when he did the Who Let the Dogs Out yeah. by the Baja Man. Yeah, so I see if he mixes it up. <laughs> Making sure you put the artist in there. <laughs> like, who did the Macarena? <laughs> Lost Comfort. Yeah, yeah. Some dudes. <laughs> <laughs> who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Man? Hey, Maybe yeah. I just trying to show off that I actually knew that one. Knowledge, yeah. <laughs> got it. That that song is bigger than the Bahamut ever. <laughs> anyway, so. true. Anything else uh, you guys saw? You know, recently online, any any weird news or? Oh, oh the the big one. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the big one that sounds like James Tony versus Randy Couture could be happening. Yeah. Ooh. I'd, I'd pay to see it. Yeah. Uh, Randy, a little bit of advice. Don't exchange with a professional boxer. Go for a takedown. Well, unlike Josh Koscheck, Randy seems to be a pretty good ga- game, game planner. Yeah. Um, I don't even see him doing the obligatory stand and throw a few punches before you go in the takedown. Just, just like running to die for a takedown as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't see uh, James Tony doing a whole lot of long-range kicks. Yeah. So just go to where you're a little bit outside the range of uh, the punches and then... Just dive right in. Uh, I don't yeah. see why he wouldn't get the takedown, even if you're not setting it up. You yeah. know, uh, former Olympic wrestler against boxer, uh, yeah. with probably a little bit of wrestling defense training, but not not enough. Yeah. So, yeah, I would think that Randy Couture would probably take that one to the ground. But something that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, you know, I don't I don't really follow boxing, so mm-hmm. I don't know a whole lot about James Tony other than who he is. But one thing that I've heard from people who uh, are boxing fans is that Tony is really not like the knockout guy. Like he's not gonna be going there, even with the the MMA gloves, mm. and likely be throwing these one punch knockouts. Okay. Um, that is what would have a lot of uh, uh, mixed martial arts fighters worried about with a a regular uh, boxer. Okay. So I think he was more of the technical side. You know, land a lot of jabs, doing a lot of slipping around yeah. punches. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of boxing fans uh, are excited, I think, to see James Tony do it, but they also kind of say that he's got a, a poor style for a boxer <laughs> moving into the sport. So I don't know if there's any truth to that. I, I don't know anything about James Tony's career other yeah. than that he's won a title, but that's, I think, an interesting note. Yeah, but it sounds like, yeah, Dana White uh, saying that, that that's what they're looking for for uh, one of the fights on UFC 118. Um, sounds like, you know, so what, Tony, like, Tony's down. they got to have Couture sign the contract. So. 118, so that's like, what, four weeks from now? Oh, goodness, yeah. It's hard, it's hard to keep track. There's a lot of them. But, uh, yeah, at this rate, we'll be, uh, we'll be up to like 300 by the end of the year, right? Woo! <laughs> yeah. Goodness All right. Gracious. Well, thanks for sticking around, everybody. It's the Audio Choke, MMATorch.com. 
follow us. Follow MMA Torch at uh, Twitter, Facebook. Just uh, Google the audio joke. I mean, we're out there. You know, you can also download us on iTunes. <laughs> we're there on we the internet. We tweets eventually. Yeah, every once in a while. And uh, I promise I'll, I'll check the Twitter more often. Yeah. More, more updates from when we record the show and then a day later they're up. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, until next time. I'm Greg Rowland. I'm Toby Schilder. And I'm Matt Collins. Thanks for sticking around. Look, I'm sorry I didn't like Full House, okay? Let it go, I don't already. care. You seemed really upset about it. Like, really I was upset. just surprised, like I was <laughs> yeah. saying earlier. Mm-hmm. You know everything about every other, you know, mid-90s TV sitcom. <laughs> there you go. You're raising your voice right now. You're already, you already sound upset. <laughs> I'm a passionate person. You yeah. knew this about me when you first started talking to me. I usually wind up yelling at you like three times a week. <laughs> yeah. How does that help your argument about not being upset? Because <laughs> I'm louder! <laughs>